Welcome to the Motorcycle Vagabond Show. Today we've got Liz. Is it Funk? Funky. Funky. Oh, oh man, that's yeah. even better. Right? <laughs> so we got Liz Funky here. Where are you at in the world, Liz? Key Largo, Florida. Is that where you live? Yep, that's where I live. Are you still a bunker biker host? No, I was for a while. Um, I just have a, another, I have a roommate, and we're both like single women, and I have a two bedroom house, and space is so limited in the keys, so I'm not, sadly, but it's the sure people got, that have hosted in the past. And I'm sure you got flooded with requests down there. You were the only host south of Miami. Oh my gosh, yeah, it was insane. And for a while, I was like, okay, well, I can have people camp in my yard. But again, it's a very, very tiny yard. My house is converted into three apartments, and they were like camping outside of my downstairs neighbor's window. I was like, eh, well. So I really wanted to like help give back, and you know, because I've been using Bunker Biker for years, and but I don't know, it just didn't make sense, and I didn't want to like piss off my neighbors. <laughs> you could be a contributor through Patreon. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I am. I am for sure. Actually, yeah, you are. Did you get did you ever get poker chip? I did. Thank you for resending it. I felt so bad. I opened it. It was just completely empty, and I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know I'm why I paid. Around. I paid ninety eight or ninety nine cents for those stamps instead of the regular fifty whatever they're at now. Specifically, mm-hmm. so they wouldn't put them through the machines. And what they do? Yeah. Put them through the machines. Right. Ugh. Yeah, they're supposed to handle them by hand if you pay the extra. Yeah, and they didn't, which quite a few got lost. I've had to remail, so it's not really a big deal. Anyways, what do you ride with? Um, a 2007 R1200R BMW. How many times has someone said that's a big bike for such a small girl? Right? <laughs> I get that all the time. Um, yeah. Just the number, the 1200, but the boxer engine, I'm not going to accidentally really. I was, like, before I started riding it, I was like, oh, 1200 sounds really big, you know, and I've been riding for a couple years already. Um, just slowly, like, getting bigger bikes and getting comfortable with riding and figuring out how I wanted to ride. Um, so that's a big thing. I think we all buy the wrong bike as our first bike. But that's okay. That's the process, right? Is it the wrong so. bike or is the bike that taught you what you wanted? Yeah, that's you know what? I like that reframing of it. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. But, yeah, and, like, you just don't know. Like, some people like to just go ride on the weekends, and some people like to do long trips or short trips or whatever. And, you know, I had... A thumper, a Royal Enfield is my first bike, and it was a beautiful, beautiful piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that coming. That's awesome. Yeah, it was an amazing looking bike, and I was wrenching on it more than um, more than riding, and that's not the type of bike that I want or need, and especially the first bike. And it had an electric start, but it didn't work, so it was kickstart. And I was in Virginia at the time, and um, you had to get it like top dead center before you could start it up and I'm out there cranking it and cranking it and cranking it and then here comes my ex-husband on his bike and Suzuki Boulevard and just presses the start button and I just like evil eye him as he walks back inside while his bike is warming up and like you know when it's cold in November we're still trying to ride <laughs> but um yeah that bike was um like uh disc brakes I'm sorry drum brakes front and back and they both filled with rust um so I can even move it in neutral. Bike? So that's the thing. So that's why I was kind of finagled by it. So it was uh, it was built in 2006, and this was back in like 2012. So I'm like, okay, it's not an old bike. But the thing is, it was designed in 1955, and absolutely nothing had changed on the design. So technically, it was an old bike, and I just didn't know that. And of course, I went to the dealership, and I was like, oh, is this a good new bike to get? And I didn't get I didn't get one from them. I got a used one. Um, and of course, all the dealerships are gonna be like, yeah, it's a great first bike. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, not the case. And uh, one of my buddies on a GS rode my bike, and he's like, don't, don't take this the wrong way, but you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, I'm not ready to give up on this bike yet. Like, I know she's a pain in the, pain in the ass, and I flood the carb all the time, and I'm always draining it and, like, figuring out what I'm doing wrong on this darn bike. But, you know, she was happy at 45 miles an hour, and I didn't want to get on highways at that time at all because I was like, if I fall down going that fast, it's kaboom, you know. And, um, but he was talking about the brakes, which I didn't know the difference between disc and drum back then at all. And, and of course, he had those Brembo brakes on the BMW, so he could stop on a dime, right? And he's like, so if a car slams on, on their brakes in front of you with your 1955 machine, they're stopping faster than you are. And I was like, yeah, well, I kind of figured that. So I was just going to, like, go around them or, you know, into the ditch and hopefully not into oncoming traffic. Like, I'd already thought about that, but thank goodness didn't really have to, uh, have to do any of that and I, I struggled with that bike for a good I think it's a year and a half maybe a year and then I finally ended up selling it to this lovely uh, older gentleman who liked to, to tinker more than ride and I was like you're perfect <laughs> so um, yeah got rid of that one and then moved on to a Triumph Sprint 955i cherry red beautiful it was like a you know sport touring bike and i was like okay well hopefully it's more touring than sport because i really really wanted that whole standard seating style because that's the royal infield is standard and then this one is like standard with a little bit of sport like a sprinkle of sport is how it was described to me yeah and it was more than a sprinkle and the bike was too tall for my inseam um i didn't quite have to like pop a hip off to stop but it was really close if the road was cambered at all and i didn't notice oh yeah a whole hip had to come off <laughs> um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, pretty interesting and, um, cherry red, beautiful bike. It was, it looked way bigger than my bike now. So I'm this like little stick figure with a lollipop for a helmet head. And then I'm like, you know, I'm this big old bike. <laughs> and, um, again, a beautiful, the beautiful wrong bike again. And just going through the mountains of Virginia and West Virginia and, um, the, the ass end would like step out on me going down the mountain. And I just never got comfortable with that. I'm like, and I wasn't even pushing it. Like, I will, you know, I'll go fast. But um, I wasn't pushing it fast enough for it to be doing that kind of thing. So the weight was really, really up high on it. And I never really felt comfortable. I felt like I was a better rider than the bike was letting me be. Um, and it had an electrical gremlin that just wouldn't quit. So I think it replaced the battery on that one like like six times in like a year and a half of owning it. Um, and I replaced all the stuff, the stator and the, the, um, I don't even remember the other stuff I replaced on it, put a fuse in it, trying to like get it all sorted out, had a bunch of different mechanics look at it too, and just did nothing, they couldn't figure it out. So English bikes, right? But, um, that one, and then one, one of the many times when my battery died on, on the Triumph, um, I ended up hopping on to, um, my buddy's bike that rode the first bike of mine, and I was, like, going through on, on the giant GS, right? I can't even touch the ground. He's like, hey, just hop, hop in the, the parking lot and see how you do. Because I was trying to do, like, slow turn maneuvers because that's where I was feeling the, the most uncomfortable. Um, and I just, like, immediately, it made sense on the on the BMW for me, just the GS. And I'm like, wow, well, I feel like my arms are out like I'm, you know, an airplane right now. But other than that, it just, I was zipping it around the parking lot. And I'm like, okay, I can ride. I thought I could. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, that's when I decided to get, go get one of my, um, I got the R instead of the GS, but I am beyond happy with how that bike has turned out for me and I will never sell her. And eventually she will be like in my house as like my Christmas tree when she stops running. (laughs) 
That's a good plan. I, I would like to do yeah. that. If I was a motorcycle, that'd be my retirement plan. I want to be someone's Christmas tree. Right. <laughs> Just like a permanent fixture in my living room. I mean, you always make her into a a, a glass top kitchen table. That's true. It would be pretty tall. I'd have to take off the maybe maybe like a bar top or something. But I'd have to. Yeah, just do do, do the stool chairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. If I had my own place, the weird things I would do. Right. You and me too. If I didn't have stairs, she'd be in my living room already. <laughs> <laughs> so. I understand that you went to Alaska. I did. Yep, from Key Largo to Alaska and back again. You did that this year? Yep. I left, um, I think it was May 3rd, first week in May. Um, and I, it was really funny. I started doing Bunko Biker and uh, stayed with my first host, and they were like, it's too damn, like people were commenting, going, it's too damn early for Alaska. I'm like, yes, dears, I know. But I went across all the southern states and then all the way up Pacific Coast Highway in California, and then um, right about then, it was like a good time to start going. So I knew I was on the beginning side of the season, and um, but anyways, it was just it's just funny like people when they're like saying that. But well, generally, people don't plan like three months for a trip, you know. So I guess well, you're you just know, a, they were worried and looking out. You're just a poor girl who doesn't know anything about Alaska or riding motorcycles. So obviously, when you get told oh, right? about how you can't make it to Alaska <laughs> right now, and yeah. you just look at them like, really, really. Yeah. Mostly not much of a planner, but I did a lot of planning for this trip and just figuring out, like, what time of year to go. I had to bring cold weather gear and hot weather gear. So that was the first. And I added a whole new um, box on the back of a top case on the back of my bike, which is this really cool, like, shad expandable one. It can go it goes from, like, 37 liters to, like, 57. You can do full two full-size helmets in there. It's really cool. Ooh. Except I don't That's love the way it looks. Cool. Like, it's it's amazing for, like, it's like a whole trunk for your car. Um, but it doesn't, I don't like the way it looks. I look a little bit like a scooter, I feel like, <laughs> with a top case on the back. But, um, but it gave me more room for stickers, which is always a, um, a goal of mine. <laughs> I always want people to I'm know not where I went. I, I think all top boxes kind of look awful. Like, I haven't yeah. seen one that I'm like that really looks cool. It either looks like it's this weird, awkward cube on the back, or mm-hmm. like mine, it's just this giant oval that just doesn't fit the bike, but man, it fits so much stuff. Right? That's the thing. I find myself, even when my side cases are empty, I find myself using my top case because it's easier to open. It's not sideways open where everything, like, can fall out. And also I have these, like, um, I have the, I guess the stock BMW side cases, which both have broken on me on, like, different trips. And so one broke closed and one broke open, like the locking mechanism in there. Oh, and my then God. I'm, yeah, and then I'm a sticker snob, so I didn't want to, like, replace the whole thing. I was like, I don't want to lose my stickers from, like, Colorado and, like, all these other, like, state parks and stuff that I went on in uh, 2017. And uh, so I ended up paying, I think it was, like, 350 bucks, like, something stupid expensive to replace just the locking mechanism and, like, the back half of the box. And I'll tell you, it was, like, the inner workings on that thing is, like, a clock, putting it together and all of the pulleys and this kind of, it was just remarkably shocking just given it's a lock. And like an opening mechanism, and that's it. But um, yeah. Wow. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I can't not have my stickers. So you've been riding about ten years. Yep, ten years. This is my ten year anniversary trip, which kind of accidentally worked out that way. But yeah, I got my license in two thousand nine in college. But um, <laughs> I was a sculpture or am a sculpture major, or I have my sculpture degree. However, you say it. I have a BFA in sculpture, Liz. <laughs> Um, 
Anyways, um, and uh, my car, like the clutch on my car was dying. I was super broke. And I'm like, how do I, like, get a vehicle without, like, buying a whole new car? And I was like, aha, I'll go get my motorcycle license in January while I'm still in school having to, like, schlep all my stuff back and forth, which makes zero sense, like zero at all. Um, so I got my license and then didn't actually get a bike because um, I would have had to transport, like, huge, giant sculptures. And <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but I've always wanted to ride. And my mom, um, she, like, piqued my interest for motorcycles when I was, like, 12. We'd be driving down the street in her truck, and she just would drool over every single motorcycle, specifically the Harleys that would um, ride by. And she always, always wanted to ride, and she never has. But um, she was a mechanic in the military, so, you know, she hadn't changing her tires on her truck, rotating those in third grade. <laughs> so anytime I have, like, a car issue, a bike issue, I call my mom first, which is pretty pretty cool to have a mom with that much mechanical knowledge. But, um, yeah, so that. And then I got my first bike in 2012, finally, after having my license for a solid three years. Um, yeah, and then, you know, just started riding around town and, I highly recommend the whole the uh the DMV. Anyone that tells me they're they're gonna go start riding, I'm like, go take the course at the DMV. It's the the safest way to do it, you know, in my opinion. But and eventually, I don't know, maybe one day I'll start a school down here in the Keys. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So you're into inspiring women to go out and solo travel. So tell me about your um, solo traveling as a woman. Sure. So I I've gone on a bunch of, like, rides with other people, and my first cross-country trip was with two other people, um, and I found it a little bit frustrating, and I wasn't – I didn't have a goal of, like, going out and doing solo travel. Um, I actually ended up getting divorced, and um, I was like, you know what, and and I just need to, like, go. So I, I dubbed it my Divorce Freedom Ride, and I went from Richmond, Virginia to Nova Scotia and back, and um, everybody freaked out before I went because I am a solo woman rider, and I didn't realize, like, how bad they would freak out. Like, friends, like, my super close friends and family um, were generally, like, more supportive than freak out mode. But now it's much, much better. Like, they just kind of know I'm this crazy person that goes and solo travels all over the world. Um, We're all living in the States as of now in um, Canada. But um, I don't know. It was was overwhelming to me, um, the amount of people, and even just the strangers that you meet, and they're like, the strangers go, watch out for strangers at the gas stations when they approach you because you're solo, right? They don't, people don't approach you when you're in a group of other people. Um, but the, this sweet little old ladies will go, watch out for strangers. And I'll be like, you were one 30 seconds ago. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. So there's, there's that. And I was just trying to like prove it to myself and, and I knew I'd have fun like solo traveling. I did not realize it would change my life. Um, like, Two weeks into that trip, I, I came out of the a gas station and looked at my bike and just, like, fell in love with her all over again. And I was like, girl, we could go ride for, like, a year straight and just just go and figure it out. And, you know, every morning I have, like, a direction and I'll have a route planned. Um, and and I think it I think all of that comes from, and, like, after coming back from that trip, it's the, like, the accomplishment of, like, getting through the trials and tribulations that are you know, albeit stressful at the time, but after that trip, that very first solo trip, I was like, damn, I can do anything. Like, literally, I can do anything I want to do. And if I can't figure it out, someone will be on the side of the road helping me out, 
or I had this like whole community online to go like, hey, this thing is not working. What am I doing wrong? Am I being dumb? Is the bike being silly? Like what, you know, what's happening? What am I not thinking about? And um, it's been a huge, um, that in itself is like, I don't know, it, it really makes me feel like I can go anywhere because there's this, this huge community that can help me out and then I can, I know how much I can help myself out and relying on the kindness of strangers is, um, pretty amazing like how much they come through for you and I've been able to do the same thing for a couple other bikers on the side of the road and I'm like I'm repaying the moto god <laughs> people at the bottom of Mount Washington um we're about to go up it and then they uh their battery died and they were trying to figure it out and I they gave me a hundred bucks and I ran down the street and got them a new battery and I was like oh gosh I hope they don't think I'm going to run away with their hundred dollars <laughs> and not come back but um I came back with the battery and and they were able to um, we ended up riding up Mount Washington together, so pretty amazing. And um, I don't know. And, and also, it's like the world is not as scary as people say. Like the whole media and then sensational stuff about just everything that happens, and even just the hurricanes that happen down here in the Keys. You know, I've been here for three years. Like the media wants you to like stick and stay with you know and i'm not like anti-media i'm really not but like it's just all of the sensational stuff that happens everywhere and like oh americans shouldn't travel to these certain countries i totally disagree with all of that and people are nice inherently nice and they want to see you succeed and i felt that i've never i've never once felt like threatened on my bike at one point I thought I was like oh here's like a scary situation and it wasn't it was this really sweet old guy that was like watching my bike for like an hour while I went hiking with some cool girls that I just met in the woods and I left all my stuff on the bike and he sat there instead of going to go hiking and just like watched my bike for me but um that's a that's really crazy so what do you think the top three benefits of solo traveling are um you meet more people you have way better in like interactions and conversations because people come up to you, um, and they do, they don't come up to you in a group. Um, but I think I think that you know people can think that's scary, but it's not. It's so not. Um, second thing for me, it's my time. It's my trip. I don't have to compromise. And I know that sounds really selfish, but like you know the other group trips that I've been on, you go cross country. You can't do everything everyone wants to do. Shit, you can't even do everything you want to do on a solo trip. Um, just for timing and, and if things are open or not and what time you get there and just all the different parts of it. Um, and the third part, I guess, which I don't know, is kind of an umbrella over all of it, it's just it's more adventure. It's so much more adventure going solo for me. Um, and it's not scary. And people will go like, oh, you're so brave. And I'm like, hey, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I don't really feel that I'm out here being brave. I'm out here, like, exploring and and healing myself and trying to grow into, you know, the person that I want to be and finding that in different mountain roads or the desert or a rainstorm or a hailstorm or all these all these things. And adversity just challenges you in a way that, I don't know, makes you, there we go. That's the third one. It makes you believe in yourself more than you already do, way more. I agree. What about the calm oh, solo yeah. travel? Um, hmm. I mean, yeah, I guess if, like, somebody doesn't have the right toolkit, you know, if you don't have everything in your toolkit you need, but then, you know, what define everything when you're on a bike, when you <laughs> need very <laughs> need to pare it down so small. Um, 
Mm. You, you, I know you can get in a sticky situation and not have anyone there with you. But again, I mean, I've ridden my bike's got 115,000 miles on it, and I've done at least 80,000 of that myself. Most of that solo. Um, 115,000 on that bike. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, like, the drive shaft broke, like, <laughs> 28 miles outside of the Arctic Ocean. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, the alternator belt broke in New Orleans, um, and my uh, my gear shift sensor is going out, and so she had this little hiccup where, like, in Texas, uh, she wouldn't start, and it's, like, 104 degrees. She wouldn't start unless I had her in neutral, but it was like the neutral light was on on my dashboard, but it's normally telling me like the wrong gear that I'm in, but it would only start in that one, but it was technically second gear. So it was just like this really crazy finagly thing, and I haven't changed it yet. I need to, but I have to take the whole swing arm off again to do that, and it's a really expensive part, and it keeps getting nailed back. So, well, it's not delivered, but yeah, 115000 And it's it's estimated, too, though, because, like, my um, – these 2007s are known for their instrument cluster going out, and I've had to replace it twice now. And it zeroes out your mileage each time. Makes me very sad. Oh, Yeah. Really sad, too. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So how was your trip to Alaska? Did you take that bike off-road? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way more than uh, I ever have before. And I actually – um, you know, all the stories about um, the Dalton Highway and all this stuff. And I will say it's like, have you have you done Alaska, actually? No, we're going next summer. My partner is from Alaska, so he, he usually goes up every other year to see his mom. She's still up there. We're going next summer, though. Oh, nice. What part does she live in? Fairbanks. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I spent a bunch of time in Fairbanks fixing my drive shaft. Three Wait, weeks. Fairbanks? To be exact. Anchorage? Which one's the one that's the north one? Fairbanks. Yeah, she's in Fairbanks. There's, she's like the North Pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the little town of North Pole. <laughs> you cracked me up riding through it. <laughs> um, yeah, Christmas all year, I hear. Yep, yep. It's super weird. You're driving around and you see candy canes. Um, it's like the, the street lights are like wrapped up in candy canes. Super weird. And I was there in summer. But, um, They're like, I'm yeah, sorry, my ass even... off, but it's so Christmas here. <laughs> Wait, where are you now? Um, Tennessee. No, I'm just making a joke Tennessee. about that little town. His mom oh, had okay. hip surgery last year, so we're going to go up, and she she liked to ride with him before her oh. hip started giving her problems, so he's been up, this will be his fourth time on a big cruiser. He did it twice on the Victory Cross Country, and then once on the other Harley uh, Road wow. Glide, so then we'll take this right Road Glide up, he, and he usually takes his uh, single-wheel trailer so his mom can fit her stuff on the bike, and he can fit her <laughs> on the bike. <laughs> That's awesome. Does he, is he going to go up the Dalton Highway on the cruiser? Oh, yeah, he's been up there multiple times. He says it's downright civilized than what it used to be. He says it used to be a lot rougher up there, way less services and way worse roads. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's like, yeah, there's, I'm sure it used to be much rougher. But I will say, like, the, the calcium, whatever carbonate that they spray on the roads, like, the very first stretch of the Dalton Highway, which is like, I'm already, like, my blood's pumping because it's like, there's so many stories about this road and it's one of the most dangerous roads and blah, blah, blah. So I'm trying to have, like, all right, Liz, loose grip on the handlebars. Like, just, like, reminding myself all these things to, like, not tell the bike inadvertently something wrong to do because I'm stressed. But, um, yeah, they, like, just sprayed that calcium stuff on it. And um, my ass end is just wiggling all over the place. And I, I switched to, to 80-20 tires um, 
what are the Michelin something something P4 3Q I can't remember the tires but <laughs> and that's so lame because like I've gone through so many tires I should remember the names of tires but um yeah I don't know so that road was I think it was just more anxiety inducing because of all the stories I heard about it it wasn't bad they just graded it there were no ruts at all I'll tell you the worst roads that I went through on my trip where I did I did 500 miles of dirt preparing for the Dalton Highway but I did it through Canada. Um, after I switched to my 8020s in Oregon, I think I switched over. And uh, 8020 was not enough to get through Canada when they were like, I, I'll tell you, like the worst spots were like the construction zones where you'd have a pilot car in front of you, and I swear you'd have like a foot and a high, like a foot and a half high of mud that you would just like, you're staring at the pilot car's tire, like trying to stay in your giant rut. <laughs> and, uh, um, one time I definitely did not stay in my rut and I was like, oh shit, oh shit. And I'm just like squiggling all over the road, end up in the side of the road, but I keep going. I didn't fall down. Don't know how, but I did not fall down. And then the ruts are even bigger because they're like the giant, you know, construction tires making big old ruts over there. So I'm just going up and over the ruts on the side of the road and eventually like make my way back onto the main road and, um, didn't fall down. But I'll tell you, like those construction zones were, uh, they were rough. And even people on, like, GSs that I think weren't that experienced were just skidding all over the place and falling down. And I was like, damn, here I am on this little R. It's like my suspension is shot. <laughs> like, <laughs> barely, you know, barely grippy tires. But I had a blast. And I was just, like, laughing my head off the whole time. And I'm like, if I fall down, I fall down. I'll pick it up. Or people will pull over and help me pick it up, you know. So I don't, I don't shy away from that stuff. And I even took her swimming at one point. I <laughs> got water in the engine. That was an adventure. But, wow, you've yeah. been treating that bike like it's it's a pure adventure bike. Yeah, no, for sure. I I like I've totally converted her into it. And I switched. I upgraded the uh, suspension after I broke the drive shaft, um, and then I really didn't even need it anymore. But I can really, really take her off road now. I've got um, what it is with the Tractive YP um, suspension on the front and back, and a new serviceable drive shaft because BMW doesn't make serviceable drive shafts for some reason. Um, and Ted Porter, man, he saved the day. Dude, he answered the phone on a Sunday. Like, I called his office from Dead Horse, and I'm, like, expecting to leave a message. He answers the phone on a Sunday and tells me all about the different parts they have and what I need. And um, and they got him to me in three days to Alaska, which they can't even get tires in Alaska right now. So, wow. He pulled some, yeah. he, he, he pulled some magic. He did, yeah. And it was, like, shipped from California all the way up there, and it's just, Wow, wow, amazing. And then I spent three weeks in front of my buddy's yard fixing my bike. In Alaska? Yeah, yeah, in Fairbanks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when the uh, when all the uh, the smoke was raging from all the forest fires, and that's one thing I wasn't expecting, too, because, like, you hear about all the fires in Canada, or, I'm sorry, in California, but you don't hear about them being everywhere in Canada and Alaska and, like, roads shutting down just because there's so much smoke you can't see. So I was outside working on the bike in, in that for a while and this like little uh, thing called like a clamshell to keep the giant Alaskan mosquitoes out. <laughs> the Alaskan pterodactyls but, that'll pick you up and take you to their nest. Oh my God. They're insane. Yeah. They're, but I will say, you know what? They're, they're big, slow and dumb. Like you can at least smack them compared to like the tiny <laughs> mosquitoes we have down here. Like you don't even see them. They're like dive bombers. I'm like walking my dog and it's super windy, but they'll like get behind you and just bite you in the shoulder blade if you're walking towards the wind. They're so sneaky down here. But yeah, up there they are more abundant. I will say that 
for sure. <laughs> so AJ was raised there and he joined the army to leave Alaska. And the man doesn't flinch with a mosquito on his face. Like it'll be sitting there and about to suck his, on his face. And I'm like, Man. like, dude, how do you do this? And he's like, I don't even notice him anymore. It's how many years he lived in them. Yeah. It is pretty uh, crazy. And, then, and the sheer fact of like, it's light for like, I wanted to be at the Arctic ocean on the summer solstice which I was only like a day or two off of that plan. Like that was my, all right, let me get out of this town that I'm enjoying too much and keep going so I can try to be there was it like June 19th or something. Um, the 21st? No, I think it was the 19th. Um, but I didn't realize, I'm like wild camping along the way, which is amazing and so easy to do in all of Canada and all of Alaska, except for like, you know, don't get eaten by bears and stuff. But um I didn't realize, you know, I wake up in my tent and it's three or four in the morning and it's light outside. <laughs> to me, it was such, it like totally messed with my circadian rhythm, 100%. But it was just like really interesting, magical experience to be, you know, up and walking around at three in the morning and it's light outside. And it, it helped because I generally always like stop traveling pretty late at night and I'm setting up my tent with my headlamp in the dark. Because I just, I don't know, I like riding late at night more than during the day. And uh, I never had to do that in Canada. I use my headlight, my headlamp at all. <laughs> I, because of that, I hear Alaskans are quite the crackheads. During the summer, they'll sleep like four hours a day and just work, 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 work. And then during the winter, they like almost half hibernate. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, it's like negative 50 degrees in the winter and I was like wait hold on <laughs> I like I, I can't wrap my brain around that I've been to like negative 17 in you know Colorado or something and you're skiing in the thick of winter but like I can't even my brain doesn't compute negative 50 degrees I don't want to compute negative 50 right <laughs> so yeah do you have any advice for mm-hmm. any women who are looking to go out for their first solo trip and maybe scared of it? Yeah. Um, just go, go on like a little weekend trip, do little ones and, and feel like, you know, feel it out and see if you like it and then go somewhere new and explore something new. Or if that freaks you out, go somewhere that you've been before with other people, but just go alone and see how it feels. And, um, you know, I know that it's not for everyone and I know motorcycling isn't for everyone. So it's like, I want to inspire any woman that like has always gone, Oh man, I would love to do that thing. But, you know, and that but encompasses all the things of life that keep you from doing it. Money, your job, time, kids, pets. Like, I have a dog, you know, and I, it's, it's, it's hard to, like, figure out what to do with her while I'm traveling. She is not a bike dog. <laughs> she would be so unhappy with my bike. But, um, yeah, all the women and, and people in general, like, hold themselves back, you know, from, from, to just like don't give themselves permission to go do this crazy, awesome, wonderful thing, you know. And it, it's anything crazy, awesome, wonderful has has risk to it. I mean, riding bikes in general, getting off your couch, you can die getting off your couch. And so I choose to, you know, put my yes, it's putting yourself at risk on a bike, but there's nothing like it. There's no travel like it. Like you couldn't pay me to like backpack across Europe. Motorcycle, yes, like hands down, I would pay you to do that. <laughs> you know. Um, Backpacking is so slow. Oh my god, it's heavy. I don't like anything on my back. <laughs> no, I, I, I want my mule to carry my my stuff. Right? Yeah. Well, shoot, if I have a mule, I'm going to be on the mule. <laughs> no, I'm saying like that's why I have the motorcycle. That's my mule. It carries my stuff. So oh, I don't carry yeah. it. Exactly. Exactly. Everything I need is on the bike, and just 
don't know, and that's been fun, like piecemealing down, like how much, how much do you really need? You know, every trip I take a little bit less. This one, I, this one I did take more because the cold weather gear, the warm weather gear, and stuff. But just overall, like clothes and things like that, I always have like a couple items that I just never used or mail back to myself. Um, where I'm like, oh, you're taking up space. Don't need you. Um, Wasn't it fun of having making those years of experience and getting to know what you really will use and what you don't need, so that way you can par down and have a lighter and more better handling bike when you're traveling. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so much better. And this and it's interesting too of like being like there's something different between like a trip that's anywhere but like shorter than two weeks. I found that like after two weeks your mind my mindset anyways like shifts over. Because, I mean I do trips, but usually like, you're on the road. Like you're my moto hero, dude. Oh. <laughs> 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 I just try to like, your status, but thank you. You do, you do, and then I don't know how you find time for, you know, to deal with all of our craft on Bunker Biker and, and all of the different communities that you help out with. It's it's amazing. So I just want to say thank you from all of us that appreciate you. And thank you. Thank you for being a Patreon subscriber. Yeah, of course. I love it. I love it. And it's, it's I've made so many friends from that, like so many. And even just the people that came down to stay here and we I stay in contact with them. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's a lovely, lovely community and you know i think people start it and going like oh let me save a buck here or there and then they're like wait a second whoa this is not at all what i was expecting and it's just it gets you embedded in the community so much deeper in a really really lovely way it does yeah 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 i wish you had room down there to host too bad i know no one down there really has room to host no, that's the thing. Like, you know, Key Largo, where I live, so it's 106 miles from here to Key West. And the thing is, like, we all have tiny little yards, and it's none of it's fenced, and just, like, it's space, space, because there is no space in the Keys. Like, Key Largo itself is 18 or 19 miles long, and, like, half of it's protected land. And then um, and then I think we're, like, what, two miles wide at the widest part? And that's us, you know, and Key West is four miles by three miles. Like, it's just, it's so tiny. And uh, rent is crazy expensive down here. Like, every now and then I'll be like, mm, should I really live here while I'm saving for my motorcycle trips? Because, like, I'm paying out the, you can guess where, for <laughs> for an apartment down here. Um, but I love it because I'm 100 yards from the ocean. I go every morning with my dog and my coffee, and I go sit in my hammock under the tiki hut and, you know, watch the like, there were, like, dolphin at the end of my dock, like, two days ago. And rainbows, and, you know, and then, and then we have hurricanes, too. So every good comes with that also. But it's just, I don't know, that's my zen every morning that I'm here. I try to get out there and just, like, start my day like that. Like very, what brought you down um, to the Keys? Oh, well, so I, I was in Virginia, living in Virginia for, like, 15 years. Um, and I took one of my solo trips. Um, I think it was my second one. Yeah, it was my second solo trip. It was down to Key West just because, like, that's one of the routes that you do. It's it's such a well-known motorcycle, you know, travel destination. And so I came down here (laughs) and signed a lease before I went home. I'd never been here, wasn't planning on moving. And then I went and got all my stuff and my dog and moved here a month later. Wow. And my home base. Yeah. (laughs) You were literally the furthest place, almost the furthest place in the country to have to access anything else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the southernmost point of the United States is in Key West, and I'm, like, 100 miles north of that. 
I mean, you have like a whole day just to get out of Florida. Oh, I know, I know. Don't remind me. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I hate like, oh man, like once I get to like Georgia and you can like smell the mountains, I'm like, oh, twisties are on my way, you know, and just, uh, (laughs) yeah, I do. (laughs) I miss mountains and twisty roads. Like the only twisties we have here are like on and off ramps and that is it. That's it. The whole, the whole way up Florida. Yeah, and so that's like the you're thing. getting on and off the highway to have a curve. <laughs> right. You just see like the whole shamrock of all of the, <laughs> all the exits on and off and on and off again. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, but I mean, I don't know. Like, I, yes, I can, but I can ride 24 seven, which is really cool. But however, it's like super hot in the summer, you know, and so I can go down to Key West if I wanted to. Um, and also Route 1 is not the safest road. It's actually one of the most dangerous roads um, for motorcycles in all of the United States. And we don't have stoplights, and it's like a two-lane road, and a lot of people die on it every year. So I don't really ride around a lot. And I, that's kind of how I've been. Like, I don't ride from just like a little, like, oh, I'm going to go to the grocery store. Let me take my bike. Like, I'm, you know, I don't want to put all my gear on and do all of that. And it's to me, it's like a tease because I want to be on the road, out and, like, living it. And that's what gets me stoked. And then sometimes in between my trips, I have left my bike parked for a year in between my trips, which is crazy. But they're just, that's what I love to do is these crazy trips and, and just go explore and meet these people. Like, oh, so I met a girl, Maury, in British Columbia on my way back from Alaska who met Itchy Boots in person. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. We we fangirled hard, hard. <laughs> <laughs> super hard and she got a picture she texted me her picture and she's like don't tell her don't tell anyone where she is and that kind of thing I'm like oh no 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 never I totally understand that um and I guess that's that's part of the safety of it too that I I don't post exactly where I am often either because you do get some crazies online um <clears throat> and everybody I'm sure you get it all the time I've seen you get it all the time too people are like oh come see me I'm only three hours away from where you are and I'm like dude if you want to see me you come here like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not changing my route three hours one way to like maybe meet someone that I sort of know, you know, and haven't ever met in person. So that's kind of the funny yeah. thing. But, yeah, welcome, welcome to the life. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, do, do you hear yourself sometimes? Like the, you want me to come this far on my way? I haven't never met you before, but I need to change mm-hmm. my entire route to come meet you. Like, don't get me wrong, I like meeting people, but man. I do too, but I just, I think they just don't think about it because I get it a lot, a lot too. And I'm sure you get it a million, but it's just, people are like, oh, come out here. And I'm like, okay. But they, yeah, they, I think they just don't realize that how much it, it puts you out of your way and you could just spend a whole trip. Like that'd be interesting too to like put together a trip of like, I'm going to go meet, you know, Instagram people or Facebook people that I've met online. I've been talking to you forever and, you know, make that your like, destination for a certain extended amount of time I don't know that'd be funny and interesting but it's also it leads into another point which is weird it's it's weird to say it out loud but even on my solo trips like I don't get enough solo time if that makes any sense like and then I'll, I'll like if I meet people like the awesome um awesome Stoyan that I met in Alaska he lives in Fairbanks and we met in Canada um at Fort Nelson, right before, um, oh, just the, the name of the, the hot springs, China, uh, was it China? Yeah, China Hot Springs. No, no, China's in Fairbanks, but um, what are the other hot springs? I totally forgot. But it was, we met, 
and we got along really well. And then people like to invite themselves on my trip with me. And I generally, I say no, like 99.9% of the time because it's my trip, right? The minute I add another person, no matter how much fun it is, it's like it's a new dynamic, which is great sometimes, and sometimes it really sucks after you get to know them really well or the way they ride or whatever or if they're unsafe or just, I don't know, or just it's a weird compromise that comes into play. So I have this rule where it's like if I'm riding with other people and they're going the same way as me, I'm like, you get two days, two days, that's it. It used to be four, and then I moved it to three because people always push it past whatever limit I give, like always. And... um Anyway, so I met Stoyan, and I was like, you get two days. And then he <laughs> – I don't know if he did this on purpose or not, but then he was like, oh, we should go this way. You wanted to do, to do some dirt before – you know, some dirt in Canada before you got to, uh, you know, to the Dalton Highway. I'm like, yeah, sure. And I'm not realizing it's 500 miles of dirt. Like, the way we're going, it is, like, super remote. I have no cell service, like, at all. If I drop my bike, it's hours before a car comes by, if not days, you know. And so – but we got along really, really well. Um, and I ended up riding with him all the way to Fairbanks and then kind of regrouped, like slept on his couch for a while and then went up to, um, to Dead Horse and then broke my drive shaft and he <laughs> came up and picked me up 500 miles either way. <laughs> Poor guy. I'm telling you, riding with people, that's how you can ruin friendships. Yes, seriously, seriously. I've had my experiences with trying to spend time with people on the road, and I just realized that I'm way too selfish and just want to ride my own ride. AJ is worth compromising with, but AJ is really yeah. easy. Like, he's like, you pick it. I just want to ride. So, like, he's insanely easy. I get to pick all the cool things we go do and <laughs> the people we meet. You know, this is all my logistics part. But otherwise, yeah. like, I'd rather be on my own. I don't want to have to compromise. I, I've had people hold me back. I'm, I'm willing to sleep in gas station parking lots and rest stops, but – a lot of people that have wanted to ride with me won't do that, and it starts limiting yeah. my my oper- like my ability to do what I do. Exactly, exactly, and like their standards of living is very different than shit. Even just for me, like after two weeks on the road, it's like, well, I find myself like not you know preferring to go pull off on a road and go pee in the woods versus like stopping in a gas station. <laughs> like it's so much nicer to go outside. You know, just all these things that you don't think about when you travel in a car versus a bike and it's just and like just camping and, and finding wild spots and yeah I agree with you but I, I think riding a motorcycle and camping off them brings the wild back into into a human I think yeah I agree with you and like I don't need to change my shirt every day when I do that you know at home yes <laughs> but like on the road meh. you know I'll wear it until it's like a little too stinky or wash it in the river or you know it's just I don't know, your your standards of living are totally different, and I've been, like, surprised, like, pleasantly surprised by it, that it, like, doesn't bug me at all. It's really, really interesting, and I definitely want to, like, one of these years just, like, just go and, like, do what you're doing and, and live on the road and see how it is and if I, you know, how long can I do it before it's it me. It's like, yeah, I want to. I really want to. If you ever start planning it, we'll have to do a show before you start and then a show like six months into it. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Uh, well, I, do, I, I am planning on – go ahead. I like talking to people uh, before they start in the, in the, their start and like if they stay a year, that's where I like to talk to people mm-hmm. and, and see how they've changed because everyone thinks that they're not going to change that much. And then a year into it, oh, they're like, yeah, yeah, you were right. And I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, I'm not the only person saying this thing. It's not like I'm the – 
the person who figured these things out. Every one of us <laughs> says the same damn things. Mm-hmm. And then even just, like, re-entry back into, like, quote-unquote normal society, too. Even just after even my trips, you know, I can't imagine being on a year on the road and then, like, having the routine of a job job or, like, you know, having just, just all the the boring crap of, like, being an adult that I, like, don't want to do ever. <laughs> I can't. Um, I will right? never be able to go back to a normal life again. Uh, I'm just incapable of doing it. Well, good for you. <laughs> it makes life a little complicated sometimes, but. <laughs> but I'm just, yeah. But I don't know. I love it. Like, it just brings out all the happy. Like, I smile thinking about it all the time. I'm just. So my next trip I'm planning, I want to do, I'm going to save up probably for two years and do, start my around the world trip and ship my bike to Spain. Same bike. Like, I'm going to keep riding this bike and fixing her and, like, as long as I can. And, you know, the, the. I keep talking to BMW mechanics. I'm like, all right, how long have you seen these engines go? And a lot of them, like they've said 250. One guy got really close to three, I think, but then like stopped riding just at all. Um, I mean, really with a bike, so long as you know how to work on it, every part's changeable and every part will eventually be, you know, a maintenance part. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's my, my plan. I've got my bike downstairs um, and I've got her in another little like clamshell and I'm going to just, tear it all down and rebuild it back up. Like go through every page of my Haynes manual and be like, okay, if I'm really going to do it this way, if I'm really going to ship my bike to Spain, because it was, that's the debate. Like, oh, get a newer bike or start my round the world trip on this bike. And I just adore, I am so, so emotionally connected to my bike. And I've had people go like, you can't do that. I'm like, too late. Like it's done. (laughs) Like I love this bike. And I've taken her on the track before at VIR in Virginia and just, you know, on every off uh, off beaten road and uh, she's she has given me way more you know than what's her name and i've asked i've asked a lot of her what's her name mm-hmm. lady frank short for lady frankenstein oh <laughs> she's got uh our six pieces on her she's got a car alternator belt on her um ducati like headlight cover just all the things because they don't make any adventure stuff for my bike so I've had to like finagle different ways to do it, and it's just it's more fun, and it's a it's a problem to solve. Um, and even I even solved it with like a bunch of uh, a couple of my bunker bikers out in Washington, and um, and Yuma, Arizona, and a couple of different um, people, and then they just you know they knew who to go to like to go get tires. And I was like, that's what I was counting on. The locals always know; they always know the cool routes, and where to go to get stuff done and not pay an arm and a leg for it generally. So, or do as much of it, of it that you can, you know? Yeah. I love talking to locals. They have, like you said, they have the best information. Me too. And you know, before, like before Bunker Biker happened or like I knew about it, I think, cause it's been, it's been a thing before you started or like you, you started managing it. Um, but like, so my first solo trip or even my second one, I would go and just, like, Google, like, biker bar near me, like, when I was ready to go have dinner or whatever, and I'd go there and, like, make friends and a lot of, you know, some Harley people, some whatever, and, like, I don't care. You're on two wheels. You're on two wheels. Like, I wave at you always and try not to get cranky when I don't wave back. <laughs> but but um, I would just go there and find friends that way and 
you know, get, get roots and get things to go see. And sometimes people would be like, hey, come sleep on my couch. And, you know, that's one of those, as a solo woman, you have to, like, gauge that situation and what's safe and what's not. But I felt really safe doing that a couple times, and I've done that too, you know. Or camp in their yard. That's much safer. <laughs> but if it's raining, you know, whatever. Or you're just done and you, like, actually need a shower that day. But, I don't know. So that was kind of what I did before Bunker Biker was a thing for me. Right. Well, I mean, you were just doing the bunker biker thing before there was organization to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess so. Well, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate hearing your story. Yeah, absolutely. It's super awesome to, like, meet you virtually, <laughs> at least. And, you know, I've been following your stuff for a while, while. And, uh, well, if I, if I end up going to HankCon next year, I'll let you know. But there's a, there's a group of bikers still. Bikers, you know, motorcycle riders that are going yeah. still. So we, we we made a pretty big impression with the organizers. I bet. I was so bummed I couldn't go. I literally got COVID like two days before I was supposed to leave. And I was like, I feel serious right now. I was so mad last year. Um, is it going to be in Florida again this year or do they move it around? No, no, it's always in Florida. It was in the same place. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I'm totally there. 100%. <laughs> like I said, I may or may not be there yet. I don't know what's going to go on with Mexico and Central America. I really like traveling with AJ, so he won't get yeah. to go. And I'm going to see how us being apart for like three months ends up doing yeah yeah now i'm excited for you to like have found someone you can travel with and is a, a really awesome partner to you oh it's so nice having a competent partner i'd rather be alone than, than have a partner i don't believe in and trust a hundred percent but he is someone that is my equal in all things he he knows how to take care of himself he's a great camper he's a great rider you know we know mm-hmm. how to deal with you know extreme adverse conditions we both know how to fight, which is nice. There you go. And we both can sleep in ridiculously weird places and not care. <laughs> no, that's amazing. You guys like found your perfect, your perfect other partner. I love it. Well, anyways, I'll let you know when the show comes out, which okay. should be in the next few days. This, this is my twenty third. No, what am I at? Twenty five shows, I think, last week. Wow. Damn. But yeah, it'll come out soon. I don't know how you have time to do all this stuff, but I applaud you. <laughs> <laughs> I make it. I specifically was like, I'm going to spend one week doing podcasts, and then I'm not going to do it again for like six, 12 months. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, I appreciate you including me on it. I'm glad you were on it. It was really great hearing your story, and I'm glad you had a great time going to Alaska. I'm excited to go next year. Yeah, you're going to love it. Oh, man. I'm going to take so many pictures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All the glaciers. Oh, my God. Glaciers everywhere. Muskox. Like, just. 20 bears, 17 moose. Like, it was crazy. It was amazing. That's so cool. All right. I hope you have a great day. You too, dear.